Are we gonna sing along? Yes, yeah, of sing course! Along. I wanna put on my, 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 my boogie shoes. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> I wanna put on my, 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 my boogie shoes. Leonard. It's nice to meet you, Will. Why are you here? I suppose I'm here to make friends with you. And your dad's too. But my heart is broken. Why is it broken? Because of what I have to do today. Fucking blank on it. Oh, knock at a cabin door. That's kind of a silly uh, isn't it just knock at the cabin? Uh let us see. It is knock at the cabin. You're absolutely right. So <laughs> see it's like I'm like 85% sure the word door was not included. I could have swore door was in there somewhere, but maybe not. Well, the kicker is it's based on a book called The Cabin at the End of the World, which is like that title actually fucking rips. Why didn't they use that? Yeah. Well, I guess if you have that, maybe you can't sell the idea of the uh, of the, of the M Night Shyamalan twist because it's there, like in the title or whatever. But but the the ad gave away the twist for this one. I mean, well, did it though? Yeah, the ad is the knock with the voiceover of Dave Bautista saying, you have to pick one of you to die or the world is going to end. And it keeps cutting to pictures or, or clips of the like apocalypses that happen. So are we going to spoil it? Are we going to spoil it? I mean, it's, if it's in the trailer, I don't consider it a spoiler at this point in my life. Well, the reason that I don't think it's actually a spoiler because you still have to believe it's going to happen or not. And so even though he says it in the trailer, I guess the audience maybe is wondering, is Batista just a crazy person or is he actually telling the truth? Well, I mean, I I would argue that the movie does still leave you with that question. Does it? it? I would say yes, because it's implied that all of this may have been coincidental. And by that logic, it would be coincidental that it ended as well. But that's fine. I guess maybe this is a spoiled question. Do you not think it was real? I don't really 
really think it matters. The suspense is not if it was real or not. The suspense is what happens in the actual cabin, in my opinion. Touche. Touche. At, like, at a certain point, like, if they... If they were like actually none of that was happening and they just fucking videodromed this family into doing this, I would be like, yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> that is also a compelling narrative. And it's not like this is the first time that they've been like, ah, everything around them was also not real. M. Night Shyamalan's done that before. Yeah. I liked it, but the action part of it was not the part that interested me. I mean, yeah, that's the least interesting part of this whole thing. I, I think, to me, the most interesting part... I, I mean, I think Batista supplanting himself as the best wrestler turn actor, I think that's, for me, that's number one. And I think number two, Jonathan Groff, particularly the last scene that he was in, it was, it was pretty gnarly. It was pretty that good. was a fucking harrowing performance, and I do not hear people talking about that enough. When I read the script, I was breathless through the entire thing. I felt great anxiety and confusion and excitement and shock and horror. And I basically read the entire script like this. <gasps> like, what is gonna happen? What are they gonna choose? What is happening right now? Uh, the whole thing, I read it so quickly um, and it just kind of, scared me in a in a deep in a deep kind of profound way i think batista is overshadowing it but it's still really great i would argue that batista does such an amazing job in this movie that it actively made me root against the queers which is something i never thought i would ever <laughs> say out loud but additionally the way that jonathan groff's like grip on reality seems to be slipping from like i'd say like the 20 minute mark on yeah and you just see like every millimeter that he is moving in either direction and not yeah. in a way that feels overplayed. Yes, I agree. Like, oh, so good. So good. So it, it definitely had some Shyamalanisms. <laughs> yes, it really did. Yes. Including, I would argue, the pacing. I know it was only an hour 40, but it definitely felt longer than that to me. Really? Yeah, really? mm. I thought the pacing was decent. I think the end, I, I think the end did take a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a road to get there. I would say so. I think maybe I do agree with you. Yeah, I feel like there were a couple of scenes where I'm like, you could have gotten rid of like just a little of it. Yeah. And I don't know that it necessarily would have killed the suspense or anything. But there was a point where I was like, I care more about what's happening in the flashbacks. And what's happening in the cabin. And then I'd come back to the cabin and they'd give me like five uninterrupted minutes of Dave Batista being the goat. And I was like, right, right. Uh, and then they'd cut back to the flashbacks and I'd be like, oh, no, bring back Dave Batista. And the fact that I was like not able to really like moderate between those feelings was like kind of weird. Okay. I think the balancing of it did work for me. I think it worked pretty it, well for me. I think it did overall, but I think that there were a couple of moments from scene to scene where I was like, whoa, 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 wait, what? Whoa. Yeah. Which is like a very Shyamalan problem. Um, he does this a lot. Yeah, kind of a bit. Before we go a little bit more into Knock at the Cabin, 
What do you feel about M. Night Shyamalan? To quote Charles Dickens, I think it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Um, I think that he has some really interesting ideas. Yeah. I think he has some really interesting ideas about execution. (laughs) And I think that those things don't always hang out. Yeah. I think this is his third best movie. Oh, wow. But I also think that it's a really solid three and a half star action thriller. The fact that his third best movie is a three and a half star action thriller. <laughs> might, yeah, yeah. Might tell you some something. Yeah. So so what are your one and two? Unbreakable and Sixth Sense. Yeah, I think those are those are basically it for everyone for the most part. Sixth Sense got spoiled so heavy, so fast. By the time I saw it, it was like common knowledge, the ending. Yeah, but even in 99, like, if you didn't see it the first week it came out, it got spoiled. It was was Yeah, I mean, the ending of The Sixth Sense was like such a cultural touchstone. Yeah. I had seen a Simpsons do it. I had seen whatever. But it, it makes that movie a little bit more remarkable when you look at it. And you realize that, like, oh, the movie still works if you know that. Yeah. Like, all the dominoes still fall in the right way Yeah. when Shout you know out. that. Yeah. Shout out to Bruce Willis. Uh, he's, he's definitely going through some things. Um, but back at Knock of the Cabin, not Knock of the Cabin door. <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely a M. Night Shyamalan movie. I feel like for him... I haven't watched every single thing, but from what I've seen of his, I I think he really does have kind of this, I like to tell these kind of out there and sort of like weird stories, but ultimately the characters in my films, I deeply care about them. I deeply care about their story. And Oh, he cares so much. And I think sometimes that's the problem. Yeah. I think this, though, I think for for our protagonists, and even for Batista and uh, the other, uh, I'm not going to spoil this piece of it, the other individuals, I think he does give them a lot of breath and even in their kind of final moments expressing this idea of like wanting to save humanity in this super deep, deeper kind of way. And I think he, I think he pulled it off fairly, fairly well, I would say. I agree. I also think that this is some of the most emotionally compelling work we've seen out of Shyamalan characters in a while, which does make me wonder, did someone backseat direct this movie? Oh, really? Yeah, because I feel that the emotionality and those really complex character moments are often, and I won't say really complex, but complex character moments uh, are often a thing that Shyamalan does not excel at as a director yeah now this was adapted yeah from something so, he did not originally write so i do wonder if that's part of it yeah you know the the fact that it is based on something someone else did but i do also wonder if one of the actors or a producer or somebody was either directly by being like hey try this next time or indirectly by just like leading by example with his or her experimentation. Yeah. 
perhaps created an environment where that was able to flourish a little more organically. Yeah. Some of the moments that are like allowed to breathe, which would normally not be allowed to breathe in a film like this, are part of what I think makes it really special. Yeah, because I think maybe even with the story itself, even the idea of the location just being contained to this cabin, that you're not going throughout the world, like, even though there's obviously, like, different kind of pieces and shot throughout the world and the flashbacks in different places, because the, the core of the film is the cabin, everyone is just in this box, this pretty small box of we're on top of each other, but we're going to interact off each other more than kind of I, going out in the world. Perhaps more clearly than any other film I've ever seen could see this as a play. Oh, yeah. And like, I want it. I want it so bad. <laughs> Let's say you make it about the last family that this happened to. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even have to be the same family. It's implied that this keeps happening. So maybe they don't have the TV. Maybe they just have the radio. Yeah. And so you're hearing these patched in bits about what's going on outside. And is it really happening? What is it? I don't know. Who are these people? And I feel like everybody kind of understood that. They're like, oh, this is like an opportunity for me to really like bring the depth and thought of character up from a play like which Jonathan Groff is largely known for. Yeah, He's, he's a Broadway actor and really dig into that mindset of characterization. Yeah. And and I think some of this might be because M. Night Shyamalan did not have to be responsible for the story. Maybe he was able to dig a little deeper. It could be him. Yeah. This just seems like a, a weird direction change for him. Weird in a good way? Yes. I mean, yeah. at least compared to his more recent work. I think old was okay, not great. I liked this a lot better than old. If old had kind of maintained the tone it had during the first half of its runtime, maybe it would have eclipsed this. Okay. But it didn't. And this is another thing that I think is really special about this movie. For Shyamalan standards, tonal consistency, baby. (laughs) That's funny. Yes. Because it's, I know what's going on. I know what's going on. I know why it's going on. I know why it feels this way when it's going on. Yeah. It all flows together. It all fits. It is not perfect, but it's like one of those Russian nesting dolls where like sometimes you have to kind of really wedge it shut and then it'll still nest. But like, you know, it's not it's not like some of his where he's like it all fits together and there's like a giant gaping hole in the middle of the puzzle. And you're like, I think there's supposed to be something in the middle there. And he's like, no, it's art. (laughs) No, this all fits. It's a a fairly simple puzzle. You know, it's maybe only a hundred pieces or whatever, but it fits. Yeah. So I gave it a three and a half on letterbox. I I don't think you gave it a letter, but you just said what you would have rated it anyway. So we, we agree on that. And I was kind of thinking, I love the performances so much why wouldn't I give it like a higher rating? But I think ultimately there's some silly ass stuff in this. There's some For M. Sure. Night Shyamalan in this, but uh, I think, yes, there is literally M. Night Shyamalan in this, yes, which brought I, it down a, and he is so bad. He brought it I down know. a full half star for me. I was like, what sweetie, what are you doing? Yeah. And I feel like 
I feel like I was probably the only person in my movie theater to catch that. It was so silly. Literally <laughs> in a a pr- full press screening. Wow. He came on and everyone went like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, man, I'm not going to lie. If I make a movie, man, I- I'm in that motherfucker somewhere, well, man. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But you're not going to grind the movie to a halt for 90 <laughs> seconds to sell that's, an air fryer. That scene was too fucking long. That scene was too fucking long. Oh, man. That's funny as like, shit. Like, in, in a movie that really values, like, scarcity and subtlety and whatever, the fact that M. Night Shyamalan got a 90... Like, he, oh, really the only one of the main, like, seven characters, right? That yeah. gets... <laughs> Yeah, man. A minute and a half of uninterrupted screen. I I cannot. I shan't. I I will just say, if I were in a movie like that, right, and the little girl is watching Strawberry Shortcake, surprise, I'm voicing the lesbian blueberry muffin now, bitches. Hilarious. I would be so much more subtle with it because it's my goddamn universe and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah, he could have been like a, a voiceover of some sort. But even <laughs> if, if that scene had taken place the way that it had, and maybe that infomercial was meant to be a diversion, so when you cut back, something had changed in the cabin, or something was weird, or or whatever, right? Like, if it had actually had a practical purpose, besides it just, like, being the buffer before the first news broadcast, I would have given it a little more credit for being clever. Yeah. But top three, huh? Top. So I mean, yeah, I would. It's it's at least top five for him. Nice I would say that. So I think I think I really am giving this a little bit more leniency because of the performances. I mean, I, that's not I, that's not leniency. That's like acknowledging greatness. I yeah, think. I I really think that even though I acknowledge it is not a amazing piece of film. Because of those really good performances, I think I enjoyed it more than some of his movies that might be technically better. Yeah. I think the only one I would put over it is probably Signs, but, you know, we're we not talking about no Mel Gibson on this podcast, so, you know. Signs? Signs was, Sign was decent. It was all right. I haven't watched it in, it came out in 2002. I haven't watched Signs since, like, 2004, so... Uh, this is like a twenty-year-old memory I have right now. So I mean, like I liked the village, but the ending of the village was so disappointing that it kind of ruined the village for me. All right, and that's pretty much how I feel about signs as well. Yeah, yeah. the end of that movie was so stupid that it made me regret <laughs> enjoying the rest of the movie. Hilarious! Um, Hilarious! What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I... I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. 
yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, uh, oh, damn it, I've run into the lyrics, I'm sorry, but just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me, it's crying, it's crazy. But speaking of enjoying the rest of the movie, for some reason, Regal is showing pre-sale tickets, but not letting me buy pre-sale tickets to Scream. Uh, Scream 6, Scream IV, or VI, I should say. I know my normal rules. Um, Scrisixum. <laughs> Scrisixum. Sounds like Scrisquotum. But, uh, uh, so... I know we're going to cover it, obviously, but... Y'all scream for scrotums. Oh, hey, hey. How are we feeling about it since the official trailer dropped? How are you feeling about it? I have a couple concerns. <laughs> Hold on, I'm about to fire it up. I got to watch it. I'm going to watch it one more time. But while you're while I'm firing it up, tell me your concerns about so- it. I think that by making it doing a different setting and they've already repeatedly said that they're going to make it more brutal, right? Yeah. I'm worried it's going to have the Halloween ends problem or the Halloween kills problem or any of the 2018 Halloween sequels where they're like, it's going to be more brutal and that means it's going to be better. And all of the things that you liked about the last installment are gone because it's not in Woodsboro anymore, which is fine. Sometimes they haven't been in Woodsboro in the past, but now it's Ghostface with a gun, which is like a lot. I don't, I'm trying to emotionally manage Ghostface with a gun. Like the intimacy of that is gone. Like that is, and part of what makes Ghostface kind of, slashery and cool as much as one can find somebody a serial murder cool is that like he's right up in your business yeah he is right up in your business and you do not know who he is i'm pretty sure the first five screen movies there's only been one kill with the gun and that was um old boy on the cross yeah pretty certain yeah so i know there's a, a big ass fan theory floating about of, uh, of a returning member that Cold I... Cold Can I tell you my tweak to that theory that I think would make it more interesting? It is not Stu. It is a group of his disciples. It is friends that he has made in prison. <laughs> but here's the other thing that I think they should do. I don't think they should be working together. I don't think they all know about each other. Okay. I think they all think that they are, no, no, Stu and I really bonded. He really understands me. Yeah. So maybe partway through the movie, you're like, wait, they already killed two ghost faces. We should be done, right? No. Yeah, it's a it's another ghost face with a, with a fucking Mossberg just waiting for your ass. Yeah, but like, I, I like the idea that maybe they aren't working together this time. Maybe they just see the the girl, you know, friend of Sidney Prescott, and go, this is what he told me to look for. Yeah. I think that would be so much more interesting than it just being Stu. All right, so I'm going to fire this up. I'm going to try to not get it too loud, not to get me evicted, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if I can get at least the audio to come through. So. Come through. So when and we're in New York, we're in Manhattan. Running to the bodega. 
Got a problem here, guy? He's doing Darth Vader breathing. Oh yeah, he's gonna kill the the bodega man and get his shotgun, which he does just now. Oh my god, I forgot they showed him kill, shoot him in the trailer. I forgot. Yeah, that. that's wild. <laughs> Why would you show that in the trailer? It's that's like too violent for a movie trailer. That's pretty wild. This is why I think that it is going to be like Halloween Kills. Yeah. There's a darkness inside of me. Oh, I think they're going to make her the killer. They're going to make her the killer. (laughs) Oh, shit. Or they're going to make her into Laurie Strode, where she's going to be hyper paranoid and hyper confident. What's your favorite scary movie? Graffiti on a wall. Angel face Hayden Penitentiary. Oh shit! So I paused it because I wanted to. I'm gonna step on it. I'm looking at some of the. uh, Some of the um, materials in this warehouse. Oh wow! They have this the Scream Two mask. I just saw that. Yeah. Look at this shit, man. I mean, oh, do they wow. have? Is there is there a piece of love lives today graffiti oh my anywhere? God. Did you see that? <laughs> oh my god! So, so, oh my god. <laughs> if, if if Stu hops out, I, I, there's like a sketch of Hayden Penitentiary on on like one of the the, sh- the showcases. If they, oh my god! If 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 they fucking like make Stewie just like following all this dirty shit. I'm gonna be so upset. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna play it again. I'm gonna start over again. Hello? Let's play a game. You know you're like the tenth guy to try this, right? It never works out for the dipshit in the mask. You tell him. I think, I think, I think this is Gail's last ride. I think it's her last ride. I think it would have been if they had Sydney back. Yo, they gotta bring, yo, they have to bring her back, man. She gotta pop out, and no one just knows about it. I'm real so upset if they don't bring her in this movie. So let's finish this. Shout out to the pinhead mask and the Freddy outfit on the subway. That train sequence is why I'm worried it's going to be like Halloween ends or Halloween kills. That could be an that could be um, a uh, a fake out too. Could be just something for the trailer that like never pops up in the movie. So you have so much more faith than I do. <laughs> like you really, it's it's inspiring. I mean, I just think that you shouldn't be able to guess the killer from a trailer. You shouldn't. There's no way you should. And if they do, that's going to be very disheartening. I would say that. I mean, I would argue that if the movie gives me a good run for my money. Right. If if they make me think it's going a different direction and really sell me on it and then surprise it isn't and whatever, I wouldn't be that mad if I was able to figure it out from the trailer as long as I was given a good ride in the meantime. Okay. But also, 
this is why I generally don't watch trailers. Yeah, and so we we are both firmly anti-trailers for the most part. So Gail and Stu, uh, not Dewey, Gail and Dewey lived in New York for a time, right? Yes, and Dewey couldn't hack it and rage quit. If they say that this is Dewey's shrine, that he was making them make a few bucks, and, and someone just happened to find it, that's going to make me upset, too. I don't think it is because yeah, like, it can be. I hope it's not. Yeah, I I think if anything, it's gonna be something completely insane. Like this is Sydney's dad's shrine. Oh he was God. just trying to make a few bucks. This um, this man been off the picture for two decades, and he pops back up. I'm gonna be upset. Like he they they didn't say anything about this guy since Scream, and he's gonna pop back up. In a fucking ghost face mask. <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be funny as shit, man. And that's the problem with you keep making the sequels or making sequels. Like, you're going to hit a brick with your story some way. And we definitely appreciated Scream 5. And they they really tapped into something, like, really good. But they had to do a reset, basically. And... Yeah, I think we're going to get back to the ultra-violence of, like, Scream 4, so... I hope it's more interesting than Scream 4, because Scream 4's violence wasn't that interesting to me. We both agree. We both agree. I think Scream 5 had the best mix of gross violence to creative kills since, like, the first one. Yeah. Well, actually, maybe the second one. The second one has some really good stuff in it, too. Like, 3 has... Three's got some gnarly ones, but they're not really... They're either gnarly or fun. But there <laughs> yeah. aren't any that are both. I feel like Scream 3 is the is the forgotten, like, well, we were going through, you know, Columbine, so we can't really have too much fun with these murders. Uh, so <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it was, like, Scream 3... Remember the the thing I said about Scream 3 versus, or like the first three Screams versus Scream 4, where Scream 4 feels like it's like a layered cocktail, whereas yeah. Scream 3 and uh, and subsequent feel well shaken. Yeah. I stand by that, but I feel like Scream 3 is a little like, it's a little bit of a watered down version of the previous movies. They put a little more yeah. of the comedy mixer in and a little bit less of the horror liquor. But it still is in the same family of flavors, which I don't think Scream 4 is. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather here. Special shout-out to B-Hyphen and Handsome Bane for the Rasselcast Power Hour. And it's available everywhere. Podcasts or streams. So everybody check them out. You know the Godfather will. And it's time once again for everybody at the Hyphen Podcast Group to come aboard the whole train. Smell your latest sweaty marks. Before we get out of here, though, we have not talked about Oscars or anything like that. So... You ready to make some predictions on the the top five, top six categories? I mean, sure, but also I think my <laughs> top five and top six are different than yours. So, 
Well, we already kind of talked about best movies of the year, but I'm talking about more so just from the kind of an Oscars prediction standpoint. I'm down to do that. All right. So because this is a podcast that will live in infamy, we will check back on our results to see if we actually picked who won correctly. So, and I guess we can talk about who we think would win and who uh, we would actually vote to win for these categories. So we'll do the, we'll do the big six. So we'll keep things off with the best picture. So for best picture, we have All Quiet and Western Front, Avatar, Way of Water, Manchus and Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Fay Women's, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Woman Talking. So from the 10, what do you think will win best picture? The Fablemans. Really? Ooh. I don't think it should, but I think it will. Ooh, man. I, I think that the Oscars cannot resist a movie about movies and how movies will fix all your problems and how movies are good, actually. And, like, your life might be shit, but at least there's the movies. In my mind... If the Fablemans gets the Oscar, it just says to me that the Academy is just super here to fuck their own dick. And, like, that's <laughs> fine. But I hope I'm wrong. But I don't think I'm going to be wrong. So I think they're going to flip it this year. So I, I do think everything, everywhere, all at once is going to win Best Picture. But I think that Spielberg is going to win Best Director. See, I was going to reverse it. Oh, I, oh, okay. I think that there's a chance that they win Best Director. I think they're going to win everything except Best Picture. And I think Best Picture is going to go to Fablemans. Oh, even Lead Actress, you think? I think Lead Actress is going to be just a full coin flip between her and Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I'm going to go Kate Blanchett. I think she's going to win. I feel that that may be too close to call for it's me. Gonna, yeah, I wouldn't. I would not bet money on this. But I personally would vote for Kate Blanchett. But I can definitely see Michelle Yeoh winning it. So for lead actor, we have Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, uh, Paul Mescal for After Sun, which I still need to see, and Bill Nye. Is that yes? Yeah. For a living, which okay, um, it's a really good performance. I haven't seen the whole film, but I watched like half of it, and then it stopped streaming for free, so I have to find a place to finish it. But uh, well, I'll send it to you. I think that Brendan Fraser, and it's it's Fraser like Razor. I recently yes. heard him say in an interview, Fraser, so I've said yes. it wrong my yes. entire life. Sorry. Uh, I think that he is going to win it. I am annoyed that he's going to win it because I, the, the way that I, uh, uh, tell me you hate fat people without telling me you hate fat people. I think he is the only person on that entire production that does not hate fat people. I mean, they hate fat people, they hate disabled people, they hate gay people, but that's neither here nor there. And, and I think <laughs> that he approached that performance, and, and that is a movie that I don't feel comfortable watching. I, I've watched Chunks. I've been watching it in like 15 minute chunks. Oh, you know, it aggravates it. a lot of my food issues. But I just from I'd say I've watched about 45 minutes of it. 
That's 45 minutes too much. You don't need to finish it. I think that Brendan Fraser is the only person who approached that movie with any empathy for that fucking character. And that breaks my heart. Even to hear him talk about Charlie in interviews, it is so clear to me that he approached this man with just nothing but an open heart and attempts to understand him and love. And the fact that he was able to do as good of a job of it as he did, given everything that the production made him, made it about. Yeah. I think is really beautiful and should probably be rewarded. But also, I think that... Remember when everyone was like, hey, isn't it kind of weird that, like, Dallas Buyers Club is about a queer person with HIV played by a straight guy who, like, doesn't believe in vaccines? (laughs) Yes. Similar energy. Yeah. So, yeah, so... I think it's going to be him. I I hope it isn't, but I think it's going to be him. I think it's going to be Austin Butler. I think, especially because really? I think because of the the oldness of the voters, I think they're going to reward Austin Butler for being Elvis. I I would want it to be Colin Farrell, but I think it's going to be Austin Butler. I think he's like slightly too horny for the way that people remember Elvis, I mean, like people their age. But <laughs> and I mean that in like the modern day horny sense, not in like ye old horn a. Yeah. But yeah, maybe. So yeah, so I would I would I want to go for him. I mean, I think supporting actor and supporting actress are layups for. I him. just realized Paul Dano did not get nominated right now. Hell like, I no! Think I knew that. I think I knew that, but I don't think it like penetrated because everyone in the world was like, "His performance is good," and I'm like, "Yeah, it was fine." Uh, I'm in the middle of that. I think it was good. Was he Oscar worthy nomination? Good. I don't I don't think so. Um, but he was really good in Fablements. I appreciated him in the Fablements. The I think that the kid who plays the main Spielberg. character. Yeah. I'm annoyed he didn't get nominated for anything. Even if they put him in, in a conditional category, because maybe he technically doesn't have enough to be supporting. I'm specifically talking about like late middle through high school age, the one that's all played by the same kid. Because that push- was a just a bang up performance in my opinion especially for a a kid no he was good in it i think because michelle williams really wanted to go for lead actress i don't think they put him as lead actor i don't think he would have made it to be very honest but he was still really good though i love michelle williams in it i definitely think that it is lead actress nomination worthy but i think Kate blanchett I think she really smoked hard, man. I really do. But I was going to say, so for Best Supporting Actor and Actress, I think is it pretty much a layup for Kiki Kwan and Angela Bassett for the most part? Yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if Stephanie Hugh got it. That, uh, I don't see her winning it. She's too new. She's way too new. She's way too new, but she also gave a... And and this is the thing that I think is really interesting about Everything Everywhere All at Once, and I'll be very interested to see how that plays out in Oscardom. The fact that she is playing one character that is also, like, several characters, they all are, right? Yeah. They will either love that and be like, yes, of course, 
Or they'll be like, what is this witchcraft? Absolutely not. <laughs> Hilarious. I, well, one, I'm in love with her. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think she even likes guys. So I still love her. Um, from a safe social distance. Yes, definitely. From a consenting safe social distance. It's not a makeup win, but it is pretty wild that Angela Bassett hasn't been nominated since 1992. So I need to, I need to watch Wakanda forever, like in one go. Cause I've now watched it in a couple chunks just cause like, yeah but i i gotta see if that performance is worth all this oh it is so i hearted wakanda forever on letterbox so that technically means i liked it but to be very very frank the moments of emotionality when they're moaning chadwick that is a plus shit that they're doing and it, it really blends it bends reality i would say probably too much because you can tell that, or at least you get the impression that they're really mourning him and just happen to be f- photographing it. Everything else in that movie just shit. I'll just be very yeah. honest. But it, she is more than more than deserving of the nomination. And that's why I think she will win it because the moments of emotionality in those moments, those are nomination worthy. But the whole... <laughs> the wildest tweet I'll never forget was the, it was like the, the sea Mexican versus space Africans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, my whole thing was when people were like angry. They're like, wait, wait, like shouldn't? Well, they're like, well, Namor is Asian in the comics, but also if we're doing Atlantis, they sh- he should be Greek. And I'm like, calm the fuck down, y'all. It is not that deep. It really isn't, man. It really isn't. I want to live in the world where you live in, where that's the thing you get to be upset about. Trust me. That is, like, I agree. I'm a little concerned that I may not have submitted my taxes correctly and will have to go to jail. Uh, oh, no. Oh, like, no. And you get to be mad that Namor has a different nose ring than the nose ring you're used to? Get out of here. Get out of here. Take your inhaler and get out of here. Hilarious. All right, but anyway, to the category that's most important to me, which is best animated feature film. I don't know if you have seen Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio yet. I know you are not an anime um, anime boy, but... Jesus. I think that I don't think it's going to win it, but I think that it is perhaps the most deserving film of the year. Okay. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I have watched it three times. Wow. It's so good. It is, it, it is so much better than it has any right to be. Okay, well, I we, we rented it on Prestige Rental because it was negative uh, 14 degrees on Saturday, so Greg and I decided to not go to the movies. We prestige rented it instead, and then we had it for another 24 hours. So my dad was like, I want to watch this cat movie. And I was like, I will join you for watching this cat movie. Um, (laughs) So then we watched the cat movie together, um, and he liked it. And he doesn't like a lot of stuff, so, you know, Uh hey. But I feel like they were like, hey, Antonio Banderas, do you want to make a portrait about an aging adventurer learning about, uh, like, the meaning of life and, like, what he has been adventuring for? And they were like, he was like, no. (laughs) <laughs> and he's, they were like, okay. 
Antonio Banderas, do you want to make a movie about a cat adventurer learning the meaning of his cat life and figuring out what, you know, what he has always been living for? Antonio Banderas. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And, and it's really, really good. All right. And I I have a revision to make. So Mm -hmm. last year I said everything everywhere all at once is my number one movie, but that was before I saw Oscar nominee nominee all the beauty and the bloodshed for best documentary feature film. And Mm -hmm. that, that was legitimately a a moving piece of filmmaking. And that, that was my favorite movie of 2022. And I hope that does win uh, the Oscar for best documentary. So, and, and even though I'm not, as you put it, not an animation boy, even though I am, uh, my favorite animated short, which I only seen one, and of course it was my year of dicks. So, uh, on the the website for the film, myyearofdicks.com, is showing it for free. Uh, at least at one point it was. So. I hope that wins. There is. I'm planning on going to the animated short film festival that they usually do up here. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's a, you get to see all the Oscar movies for the price of like one movie ticket. Oh, and there's nice. like a like you watch like three or two, and then there's a break, and then you watch the other ones. That's good shit, man. That's good shit. Well, I was gonna say hopefully the Oscars is not a shit show, but. Oh, it's going to be. I hope it is. <laughs> uh, also, I'm just going to go ahead and throw out some some random thoughts. I think that Elvis is going to win costumes, hair, makeup. I think yeah. that Avatar The Way of Water is going to win best visual effects, even though sometimes the background characters look like they're PS3 loading characters. No, it was great, cat. Did you ever look at the crowds? Did you ever look at the crowds when they're all doing their idol animation at once? Uh, let's neither here nor there. And cat- it does matter in a movie that is all animated people. Because this is not a visual medium. What Cat was doing is if you ever played NFL Madden and the people <laughs> in, the, in the stands are cheering, she just made that motion. And I can agree that they were making that motion this way. I was more so. thinking about the people in the rave in the Matrix movie where you just like... <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. I think Marcel Lachelle with shoes on is going to win best animated film, but I wish it would be Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. But I think that the Academy is not super down to condemn fascism right now. So it probably won't be that. Um, let's see. Do I have anything else that I think is like a hot take or even just like a lukewarm take? I have a sneaking suspicion. Top Gun Maverick's going to win like best sound and maybe like best editing. How did that get nominated for best screenplay? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. That was funny. But I think Elvis is probably also going to win best production design. I think Elvis is going to win a lot of the aesthetic categories. And I think that's great. Probably lift me up from Wakanda forever is probably going to win best song because that's the only way that they can, like, give an Oscar to Chadwick Boseman right now. And also yeah. maybe feel less bad about giving the movie about white people an Oscar yeah. when they give it to the Fablemans. At least they're I, Jewish people, though. They're not They're not just white. Nime. I would love it if Women Talking won Best Adapted Screenplay. That was a pretty interesting movie, I would say. Yeah, it's on my list. 
I would love if Todd Phil won Best Original Screenplay for Tar. Yeah, I could see that happening. I think it might end up being Everything Everywhere, though. Well, I will say, if the Daniels win for Screenplay, they're not going to win for Director. Like, they wouldn't, I don't think they would do the one-two punch like that. I mean, they, they gave the sweep to Parasite, like, not all that long ago. And people walked away from that feeling very, like, satisfied and good. And I don't think that the Oscars forgot that. And I think that they would rather play it safe with something like giving a universally well-liked and respected movie a sweep than risking it going like how it went last year. Yeah. I'll be honest. I hope that is not the intention with which they vote, but I fear that it might be. If All Quiet on the Western Front wins Best Picture, then... Then maybe they'll have to release it in more than two theaters up here. Basically, man. But this year is the year that Brother Matt is going to do. He's going to watch all of the Best Picture nominees. Ooh. Yeah. So he and I usually get together for Oscar night and do our Oscar ballots. Okay. Uh, so if you and I and him want to put our Oscar ballots together, and maybe we can post some other, we should do this again sometime. Page. All so right. the audience can also see what we are thinking. I'm down for that. I am down for that. I think that could be fun. There's only two of these. I, well, I think three of these I have not seen. I haven't seen All Quiet. I have not seen Elvis. And I've not seen Triangle of Sadness. I watch everything else, though. I watched the first half of Banshees of Inishirin. I have had the sad lately. Uh, so yeah, that's watching. A- Watching yeah. a thing with more sad sometimes feels nice, right? Because it's like, wow, someone else gets it. But then sometimes it's like. Yeah, not this kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not that kind of sad. Yeah. But I have been very taken with it. Like, I am excited to finish it when I feel ready. Yeah. I got to get a couple more of these. My arms around a couple more of these. Uh, I do fear that women talking may have the same problem that Three Billboards had, where if it makes men uncomfortable, they won't vote for it. Um, I like women talking. You're also not a traditional member of the Academy because you're not over 70 and a white guy. Very true. I would hope that she would win for screenplay because I think that was a pretty good screenplay. I don't think I would vote it as best picture, though. I agree. I don't think it needs to be. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm super wrong. I hope they made everybody in the Academy go to sensitivity training and now they're all cool. But you know, actually if, if women talking one best picture, that would be the joyful surprise of the night. I'll say I, that. I truly feel like everyone would be like, you know, you know, the gift from a uh, arrested development of just good for her. I feel like it'd be that, that would just be the vibe. Yeah, man. Because, like, everything, everywhere, all at once, if it doesn't win, I would not be surprised by that. If Fable is won, like, you predict, like you're predicting, that wouldn't be a surprise. Women talking winning would legitimately be a surprise. Yeah, I also think that, like, part of the reason that I think the Fablemans might get it is just kind of, like, it's a legacy pick, you know? Yeah. That's why I think he's going to get director, and that's it. So yeah. I yeah, I think I think it's going to be the opposite. I think that they may be like, "Wow, this like two these two young people like they really did a great job directing, but like perhaps they'll make a better film someday." 
and that worries me. Yeah. But I will uh, get the official like variety Oscar ballot once it's out and send it over to you and we'll fill them out and we'll post them online. Let people roast our takes. Hilarious. But, I mean, they, yeah, they, they can. But we're we're fireproof over here, baby. Categories, categories, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Affirmative noises. Um. <laughs> Hilarious. I can't watch fucking Elvis, man. Like, I, I, I refuse to watch Elvis. I can't go back on that now, man. I think the costumes of it will be fun. Austin Butler's accent will probably be fun, but... Oh, I think just it. looking at it is going to be fun. I love looking at Boslerman movies. It's like looking in a kaleidoscope that hates you. I'm so excited. Hilarious. Um, but also, I did not want to see that one in theaters for the same reason I was hesitant about seeing Way of Water in theaters. That is a long time to go without a pee break. <laughs> yeah. and, and while we have multiple over three-hour movies in our nominations this year, I feel that now is perhaps a good time to encourage movie theaters to bring back intermissions. Absolutely. They exist throughout most of Europe, and in fact, most of Europe has software that lines up screening times so there aren't multiple intermissions happening at the same time so you can fill up your snacks or pee and you're the only theater that's going to be doing that at any given time yeah so the infrastructure exists we just don't do it in america and i think that's dumb because you know what was great in the middle of black panther when i was in italy and needed to pee I was like, oh God, I need to pee. And as soon as I thought, I need to pee, they cut off Martin Freeman mid-sentence and they said, intermission. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah, brother. And then I went and I peed and then I came back and he was like, on to initiative. And I was like, yeah! Because I could invest in the story because I didn't need to pee anymore. Hilarious. But nah, man, bring intermissions back, please. I, I'm sure your movie is great, my man, but it is not worth a UTI. <laughs> that should be the rating system. Is this movie worth a UTI? <laughs> yes or no? <laughs> and I would say, Way of Water, not worth a UTI. No, not. And the fact that they, the whole last two hours of it is running water noises, did not make it easier. They are in water the whole fucking movie, girl. <laughs> yeah, I don't even get me started. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow cat at cat underscore chin at t on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at show and mad love, S-H-O, W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V, on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow the show on Twitter at Cat and Mark. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?